Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today I have a wonderful plant-based doctor on the show. His name is Dr. Anshul Gupta, and he is going to be talking about why thyroid weight gain happens and easy ways to lose weight. Please welcome him to the show. Nice to see you, Dr. Gupta. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, it's a pleasure. You know, the kind of work that you are doing is so amazing and it's so inspiring that you are bringing all these great doctors to share this amazing knowledge, you know, and people are just liking it so much. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you for coming back. We had such a great response to the first time you were on because so many people have thyroid disorders and they have so many questions about them. And this is a really timely topic because also a lot of people have trouble losing weight. That is correct. Yeah. And that's the reason I wanted to kind of focus on this uh, topic a lot, because obviously being a thyroid specialist, I see time and again, uh, patients coming to see me again and again and uh, struggling with weight, you know, uh, weight issues, and they're doing everything, you know, following the diets, following the exercise piece of it, and taking supplements, taking medications, still not working. So I just wanted to make people aware of why, right? Because it's very frustrating. I went to my own health journey. And until I came to know my why, I was not able to solve my problem. And it's frustrating that, you know, you're trying everything every day, but nothing is working. So that's what I want to talk about today of giving hope to people that to understand why it's not working for them and also leave them with tips that they can use today itself that might change their trajectory of weight issues too. Yeah. Do you find that the thyroid disease has been increasing? Because when I was little, it didn't seem like anybody had hypothyroidism. And now it seems like almost everybody has it. That is absolutely the case. So I'm going to give example of like diabetes, like so a decade ago, you know, like, uh, you know, when uh, an older generation was there, you know, we saw sudden increase in diabetes at that time. And then people came to know more about diabetes, more and more people were diagnosed. And now suddenly the same thing is happening with thyroid. As you said, again, a decade ago, nobody knew about thyroid, but sudden increase in thyroid is happening. And the main reason is that, you know, the thyroid disorder is happening for two main reasons. One is either iodine deficiency or an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. So iodine deficiency is very rare now these days, but Hashimoto's has been rapidly increasing. Hashimoto's is the number one autoimmune disease in the world currently. And its rate is increasing at a very tremendous level. So, and most people, what they don't know about Hashimoto's is that it's environment related. You know, it can be genetic, but it is your environment that you put your body into that decides whether you're going to get Hashimoto's or not. And the environment these days, you know, each and every day, the environment is getting worse, whether it is the pollution, whether it's the toxins, whether it is, you know, the food is changing rapidly, you know, too much stress in our lives these days, too many chronic infections we are dealing with, you know, so many different issues with our environment that is happening. And that has led to the increase in thyroid disorders rapidly. Yeah. How does somebody know if they just have regular hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's? Because I don't know if doctors always differentiate when they give them the diagnosis. They don't. And that is a bigger issue too, because 
in conventional medicine, there is no treatment for Hashimoto's. And that's the reason why to check for something when you cannot give any extra treatment. So that's the reason most people will go to their regular doctors. They will just get one blood work done, which is the TSH. That will tell the doctors whether they need to give them a medicine called levothyroxine or not. But when they ask them, why did I get thyroid disorder? They will say, well, it just happens. No, in reality, you can know what is wrong with your thyroid. So you can do testing to check for Hashimoto's. And the good part is that each and every test, this is very easy test, the same blood that was collected to check for thyroid can be used to check for Hashimoto's also. And very easy, you just take the antibody levels, which is the TPO called thyroid peroxidase antibodies or thyroglobulin called the TG antibodies. And if any of those antibodies are higher than the range, which is given by your lab, that means you have Hashimoto's. Now, if you will go to your regular doctor, they will say, well, what if you have Hashimoto's? Nothing can be done. Just go home, take this medicine, nothing else. But in reality, you know, you can lower your antibody levels. You can work on your inflammation. You can safeguard your thyroid gland. And you can even reverse your Hashimoto's if you follow the right things. If you work on the root causes, then you can certainly reduce your antibodies and get yourself better. That's fantastic. I can't wait to learn how. Absolutely. So, uh, so that's what, you know, I would like to talk about in today's discussion, as I said, mainly focusing on weight issues. Um, so basically what I want to kind of learning objectives of today's talk is that why, why people are gaining weight with thyroid? Because again, a lot of people don't know the real reason behind it. You know, they know some of the reasons which the doctors are given, but not the real one. And the next question is that, does a treatment with levothyroxine, which is the most common treatment for thyroid medicine, does it help with weight loss or not? And again, I'm going to show research behind it, not just my observation, but what the research suggests. And what conventional uh, thought is about thyroid weight, and then how, in the end, I'm going to talk about people can do, what they can do today to help with the weight loss. So first of all, you know, like, is it real? You know, like a lot of people are not even sure that the weight gain, which is happening for them, especially females, is it because of the thyroid or is it just because that phase in their life, whether they are entering menopause or perimenopause, or they just had a baby. So because of pregnancy, they gained weight or just hormonal imbalances causing weight gain. So though, or to all those females, I want to tell them that research, there are several research studies, and I'm just sharing one of that research studies, which tells us that it at least 50% or more people who do have hypothyroidism will suffer from weight gain issues, okay? And this is a very conservative number that we are sharing, okay? Because it doesn't differentiate between females and males. So uh, males definitely have less weight gain, but females definitely have more weight gain with Hashimoto's or thyroid disorder. So very important thing that your weight gain is because of thyroid. Don't think or don't let anybody tell you that it is because of something else, you know, which is totally unrelated. Now the next question that, you know, again, uh, people have this is that does treatment with levothyroxine leads to weight loss or not? because that's the most common medicine that has been given for thyroid. So what does the research suggest? So this was a study that was done in 330 patients. It was not a small study and that they were all treated with levothyroxine. They all had weight issues when they were signed up for the study. When the levothyroxine was given, their blood parameters were monitored. All their TSH were within normal ranges after being on the levothyroxine. 
And the worst part was that 58% of patients, even after being on the levothyroxine, appropriate dosage, blood work being normal, they were still struggling with weight issues and they were still in the overweight and the obese category. A lot of times people, just especially females, will feel that you know they might not be overweight, but their body shape or their body doesn't look the same as before. And I'm talking about either, you know, over here, people who are actually overweight and obese. So that was very shocking that even treatment with levothyroxine doesn't work. And it is 58%. So that's around 60% of females, even after doing the right treatment, doesn't lose weight. So again, if your doctor tells you next time is that, oh, well, you know, like this levothyroxine is going to help you to weight loss. It is not real. Now, <clears throat> What is the reason, right? Because I want everybody to have an understanding of why, why this weight gain is happening. So the most common reason that has been given for thyroid patients, why weight gain is happening is basically the thyroid hormone controls your basic metabolic rate. So when you know you do not have enough thyroid hormone, your basic metabolic rate is reduced and that will, you know, like uh, kind of cause to weight gain. Now, what is basic metabolic rate? Basic metabolic rate is basically in layman terminologies, how much energy you need each and every day, even if you are not doing anything, just sitting on the couch, how much energy you need to function or just live, right? That's basic metabolic rate. That is a minimum amount of energy that is needed by that particular person to survive. Now, BMR can be different from different people. And what this is telling us is that in thyroid patients, according to this theory, the BMR is low. So that's the reason they burn less calories. So all that extra calories get converted into fat. But now the research completely refutes this theory. Because if you think about it, you know, like, okay, well, your thyroid was low, but now you have been given this thyroid medicine called levothyroxine and your thyroid levels are normal. So if you have enough thyroid hormone, that should fix your BMR and that should in turn lead to the weight loss, right? And I just showed you that, you know, this research study, which showed that 60% of females, this doesn't happen, even though they're on the right medicines, even though the numbers are normal, but even then it doesn't get fixed. So the reason is just not the BMR. It is not about the basic metabolic rate anymore, because a lot of females are trying to improve their basic metabolic rate by exercising, by eating right. Females have even gone to very low calorie diets of less than 900 calories even a day. And then also they are not able to lose weight. And we know that that is not a sustainable and not a healthy way of living life of going on a very, very low calorie diets because that actually causes more issues. Your body needs nutrients to function. And if you're not giving the right nutrients, then body starts shutting down. That's the reason a lot of people start having a lot of issues. They have gut problems, you know, they feel tired, they feel fatigued, you know, they feel sometimes even dizzy. All of these things are happening because their body is not functioning properly. So this clearly tells us that just low calorie diet or even high exercising or even doing the right medications doesn't fix your BMR or doesn't cause thyroid weight gain. So what is really happening? Why? Why are you not able to lose weight? That's a bigger question. So the new research suggests that it's actually the mitochondria, which is not working in thyroid patients, which is causing the weight gain. Now, what is mitochondria? So you might have, you know, like heard about mitochondria and maybe in your biology class or like when you were in high school, basically mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Each and every cell of your body 
has mitochondria into it. And mitochondria is the one which is responsible for making energy. So that is very important to know. Mitochondria is responsible to maintaining the metabolic balance and energy in the body. What does that mean of metabolic balance? So basically like, you know, any food you are eating that needs to be converted into energy or needs to be processed. And all that process, mitochondria plays a central role into it, whether it is fat, whether it is carbohydrates, whether it is proteins, each and every of these things, when they're broken down, they go through mitochondria. And after that is decided what happens to them. So, and studies show that, you know, people who have, who are overweight or who are obese, they have higher numbers of dysfunctional mitochondria. What that means is that they have higher numbers of mitochondria, which are not functioning to the optimal levels, or these are mitochondria, which are completely useless, that they don't even work in their bodies. An interesting factor is that the thyroid patients have also been shown that they have very high accumulation of mitochondria. So when they have like kind of looked at the thyroid gland of patients, you know, like who have been diagnosed with thyroid disorders, and when they look at them under the microscope, there are very, very high numbers of mitochondria in the collection of the thyroid cells, which is completely dysfunctional, that they're not working at all. So this chain of events, you know, like if you put two and two together, it tells us that first of all, is that mitochondrial dysfunction definitely is an important role in overweight and obese females. And plus thyroid patients also have very high number of dysfunctional mitochondria. So then it basically means that mitochondria destruction or dysfunction is the real reason that, you know, females or people, you know, are not able to lose weight in thyroid patients. Now, the next question is that, okay, well, you know, you tell us that, okay, well, mitochondria is a problem. So if I fix my mitochondria, will that improve or will that cause me weight loss? So actually, yes. Interesting factor is that, you know, like just, you know, like uh, recently, just a year ago, there has been an experimental drug, which has, which is coming to the market, which is mainly focusing on improving mitochondrial function. And it shows that it is going to lead to weight loss. So this drug is actually going through the final trials and uh, trying to you know, get the FD approval to becoming a medicine. So we might see this because we have seen so many different medications for weight loss. And unfortunately, not none of them works. You might lose a few pounds here and there, but then as soon as you stop the medicine, you gain all those pounds, right? But none of them were working on mitochondria. Some of them were working on fat absorption. Some of them are working on appetite suppressants and all that stuff, but those are not sustainable relief. Now, this is the first medicine which is actually working on the root cause of the problem, which is the mitochondria. And till yet, you know, this research does suggest that, you know, by improving the mitochondrial function, this can show sustainable weight loss issues. So yes, the answer is that, you know, now the research is also looking at showing us that fixing your mitochondria might be able to help you to lose weight. Now let's dig a little bit more deeper, you know, like, because let's go one step deeper into why, why is mitochondrial destruction happening in our body, especially in thyroid patients? What causes this mitochondria to function? Well, your body doesn't just think one day, okay, well, today I'm just going to start destroying mitochondria on my own because I don't like this mitochondria, right? So there has to be a reason. And that's what, you know, I've identified, you know, like several reasons which leads to mitochondrial destruction. And those are the reasons if you fix those, then we can easily again have, first of all, good mitochondrial health 
And second of all, obviously, we'll lose weight too. Now, the interesting factor a lot of people don't even know about is that each and every pay, uh, symptom that is associated with thyroid disorder is actually a symptom of mitochondrial destruction. So the most common symptom a lot of people with thyroid disorder suffer is fatigue or being tiredness. Now, mitochondria is a powerhouse of the cell. It produces energy. So when the mitochondria is not working, it causes fatigue or being tiredness. Thyroid hormone has no relation to it. So it is completely mitochondria related. The second symptom that you know females with thyroid disorder has is something called brain fog. Their brain is not working. They feel that they're forgetting things or they're not able to concentrate or the memory is not as good as before. Again, mitochondria, the highest concentration of mitochondria in your body is in your brain. Your brain cannot function without mitochondria. And again, so brain fog is a symptom of mitochondrial destruction. So time and again, if you will see all the symptoms which are associated with thyroid disorders are not actually the symptom of deficiency of thyroid hormone. It is actually mitochondrial destruction. The worst part is that the medicine that has been given to people, which is the levothyroxine, doesn't do anything to fix the mitochondria. It is just a band-aid which has been put up to kind of just replenish you know, the thyroid hormone. But the symptoms are not for thyroid hormone, the symptom of mitochondrial destruction. So each and every thyroid patient, once they fix their mitochondria, they say phenomenal results. They don't only lose weight, but all of the other symptoms, whether it's brain fog, whether it is being tired, whether having gut problems, whether having hair issues, whether having skin issues, whether having mood changes, all of those things get better once you fix the mitochondria. So what are the causes of mitochondrial destruction? What causes destruction? So these are the four main categories, which is the inflammatory foods, the stress, the toxins, and obviously the gut. Okay. So let's talk about each of them to kind of see what is causing. So what is inflammatory food? So most people will know the processed meat, the processed foods, which are available like in, in you know, in, uh, in your fast food joints or other places that you're going into. They're definitely not good for your mitochondria. Time and again, we know that, you know, that leads to various disorders by, by causing destruction of mitochondria. Then gluten again has shown in several research that gluten causes inflammation in the body and definitely can be bad for you. Dairy, again, very big reason, you know, the way the dairy is being produced, you know, in our modern day, it is completely inflammatory food, leads to destruction of your mitochondria. Sugar, soy, corn. So these are all very, very processed foods. And that's the reason, you know, they cause inflammation and causing it. Now, the bigger question is that why they are bad, right? Because these food, you know, nature has given these foods. So why is that suddenly these food are bad for us? The reason is being human intervention. You know, like a decade ago, GMO foods were introduced where we humans start kind of changing the genetic makeup of our food whether it is wheat, whether it is, you know, corn or whether it is soy, because he wanted, you know, like higher produce of these crops. So we made changes to the genetic material, which were more resistant to pests and, you know, to different insects. But in return, what they did was that their genetic makeup completely changed. Now your body recognizes food by its genetic makeup, right? Now your body cannot adapt to things so quickly and or easily. And our food has adapted or changed so quickly because of human intervention. Now it has a completely new genetic makeup. And you know, obviously our body cannot recognize this genetic makeup. So it thinks that you know it is some foreign thing which has been introduced to our body. 
So it starts producing antibodies against this food itself because it cannot recognize it, right? And that's where the autoimmunity happens. That's where the mitochondrial destruction happens. That's where the inflammation happens. So that's the reason GMO food, you know, and the, the all these food that are talked about, the gluten, the sugar, the soy corn, all these foods are highly, highly GMO food these days. It is very difficult to find actually the real gluten or the real uh, soy or corn that was produced naturally in nature. You know, it is just not left anymore. A lot of people think that if it is organically grown, then it should be non-GMO. Well, not real. Organically grown is just a process of growing food. But if the seeds which are used are GMO or the seeds which are used are hybrid variety, that means, you know, they still have that genetic component to it. Organic just means that, you know, they are lowering the chemical component in that food. So very important to understand these terminologies because, you know, obviously a food industry tries to make fool of us, you know, by kind of introducing different terminologies, complex terminologies that, you know, we cannot understand easily. But inflammatory food definitely is a number one reason of mitochondrial killer. So make sure that all of that inflammation causing food, you need to eliminate those completely. Now, stress. Again, stress is a very, very important trigger which leads to inflammation and which leads to the destruction of mitochondria. Now, the interesting part is that most people think that stress can just lead to psychological disorders. Oh, well, you know, stress will cause me having depression, anxiety or mood changes, but I don't have any of those things. So that means I can handle stress very well. No, we now know that stress can cause physical changes, even changes to your DNA. Stress can cause that. And again, research suggests that. There was a research done, which was done on people with adverse childhood events. You know, people who have gone through stressful events as a child, 30 years down the lane, do they have higher incidence of any particular diseases? And it, the data was shocking. It showed that people who were exposed to adverse childhood events, 30 years down the lane, they have higher chances of autoimmune diseases, thyroid disorders, cancers, all of those things. So stress definitely causes physical changes. And how does it do it, right? It basically, again, kind of uh, causes destruction of the mitochondria. So stress can be anything. It can be emotional. It can be physical. It can be mental. It can be psychological, chemical, all of these things. Anything that puts burden on your body is stress. That's the bottom line. You know, it's not only emotional stress. It can be physical too. It can be mental, anything, right? And when your body is uh, like, again, senses that there is something dangerous or external, which is, you know, causing damage to the body, it start producing chemicals and secretes hormones like cortisol. Now, in short term basis, these hormones and chemicals are nice because sometimes you need those hormones to protect your body from an immediate threat. The problem happens when these hormones, they just do not go away because you're always in a stressful situation or your body perceives that you are under stress and these hormone levels continue to be high all the time. And this is the chronic stress which leads to this mitochondrial pillars. So that's very important to learn. Now, you know, just imagine the modern lifestyle that we live. As soon as we wake up in the morning, we are in a rush to go to the office or get our you know kids ready to go to school or get their meals prepared. That is just stress right there, right? Once you do that, maybe you have work at home or maybe you are going to the office, you know, for workplaces, that is another stress, right? Then you have to take care of your parents and you have to take care of your kids and you have to take care of your house. 
then you have to take care of cooking things so many things that you have to take care females are overburdened all the time so that is all stress then on top of that we don't sleep enough because we don't have much time we are sleeping six hours seven hours right and not enough quality sleep again that is all stress that we are are dealing with right so that definitely stress is very important wheel here next important thing is toxins it's very important to focus on toxins, you know, and again, you know, like how you're discussing that why in the last decade, we are seeing that, you know, more and more thyroid disorders are being happening. And one main reason is toxins. The reason is that, you know, each and every chemical that your body gets exposed to directly goes to the thyroid and gets deposited. Your thyroid is just like a sponge that it absorbs all these chemicals. So even though the toxin industry tells you that, oh, the amount is very less, it is not going to do any damage. But that amount over the course of years, when it accumulates in your thyroid gland, that's the time it causes poison and destroys it. So what are the kind of toxins we are dealing with over here? So first of all, it's heavy metals like lead, mercury, arsenic. We have known about heavy metals for centuries now. You know, we know that lead paints, you know, were getting uh, destroyed uh, the brains of our kids, right? That's the reason the lead paints have been banned, right? But still lead is present in our environment. Arsenic, mercury, all of these heavy metals are still present in our environment. And again, research clearly shows that these are poison to the mitochondria. They basically jams the mitochondrial functioning. The mitochondria cannot do anything once they get exposed to it and they just become dysfunctional. Um, then mold toxins. These are the mold toxins which a lot of people don't even know about actually. And only, you know, like maybe in the last few years, we have known about mold toxins in humans. We knew about mold toxins in animals, especially livestock. And there's so much research papers that does show that mold toxins can cause so many different health problems in the livestock. But nobody thought that, you know, like livestock, because those are animals, mold toxins can also hamper our own body too. Until recently, some like, you know, smart doctors actually like looked at the mold toxins and yes, the mold toxins can be toxic to our body. And the mold toxins are present in our environment. It can be, you know, like in a water damaged building that we are living or in a working space that is, you know, has mold into it. Or maybe, you know, you were on a vacation or you went to a hotel or an Airbnb and again, you got exposed to mold a lot over there. So that can be exposure to the mold that can lead to mitochondrial dysfunction. The last one is environmental toxins, right? You know, each and every day we are producing newer and newer chemicals and pouring all those chemicals into our environment around us, right? Whether it is the organophosphates, which is, you know, all the sprays, which is happening, pesticides or organicides, whether it is the plastics we are using in our daily household, you know, whether it is the cookware, the nonstick cookware that we are using, the coatings on them, whether the furniture we are using, which is, you know, like laden with these flame retardants, you know, whether it's the makeup or the cosmetic products that we are using each and every day, all of them have these toxins, you know, in around in our body. And as I told you, it's like accumulated toxins of all of these things is where, you know, what leads to this thyroid disorders or mitochondrial destruction. Now, leaky gut. So this leaky gut actually is an interesting concept, you know, like which we came to know again um, with some research studies. What is leaky gut? So basically like your gut is lined with trillions of cells, right? And all of these cells, you know, are joined together very, very closely, right? Because they need to form a wall. Because just imagine that each and every food and everything you are eating is going through your gut. 
and if the gut is not sealed together all of that food will start entering your body in leaky gut that is exactly what is happening that these cells which are joined together the joint goes away or is is leaky and and the junctions between the two cells you know become loose and that's the reason you know a lot of different infections or toxins or the bacteria or the food particles actually start entering your blood stream and that again triggers an inflammatory response because these things are not supposed to enter your blood stream so your immune system thinks that those are external uh, to your body and they need to destroy them so they start this antibody production and inflammation response to get rid of them but instead of getting rid of them it actually they start destroying their own body because the inflammation response is basically non specific so it leads to the mitochondrial destruction so all this poor food habits processed food different infections from parasites different kinds of bad bacteria that we get exposed to candida we get exposed to all these antibiotics that we are using all these steroid medicines that we use and uh, several other medications you know that we use again lead to poor gut health and again lead to this leaky gut and this leaky gut in turn leads to inflammation in the body as i explained and that inflammation ultimately causes the destruction of the mitochondria so you see this is kind of the way so these these are all the reasons which is causing destruction of the mitochondria time and again so these are the main four root causes main causes which are leading to the mitochondrial destruction right and again as i explained none of the medicines is working on these root causes none of the medicine is helping with mitochondrial rejuvenation so that's the reason how is a person going to lose weight right and once we work on the mitochondrial destruction or once we help them to rejuvenate the mitochondria that's the time we are going to see sustainable weight loss because this is another issue that a lot of you know people that come to see me well you know we went on this extreme diet on the extreme exercise program yes we were able to lose 20 pounds but as soon as we stopped it we gained all this weight back right so very important to have sustainable weight loss plan and what does that look like so let's talk about what does a sustainable weight loss plan look like and these are simple things that you know you can do like today itself that you know that will help you a lot so again food is medicine right you know there is no doubt about it you know food is healing to our body food can do so much things which medicines cannot do but we have to use it wisely because as i explained to you there are certain foods which are not good for you right and certain foods which are good for you so we have to stay away from food which is not good for our body which is causing destruction what is which is causing inflammation and we have to include foods which leads to rejuvenation of our body and helps to fix our body now biggest myth you know that you know a food industry has kind of come up with is calories everybody is just focusing on the calories okay well i am just going to eat 900 calories or 1000 calories or 2000 calories or 3000 calories what is the amount of calories i should be eating nobody is focusing on the quality of the food and that's the major reason people are not losing weight because it's just not about the calories we need calories right you know if we don't have calories our body doesn't function your brain needs calories your gut needs calories your thyroid needs calories calories are needed to prepare thyroid hormone calories are needed to let your brain function so it's not about an or not all calories are made the same 
just imagine you are eating let's say you know a processed meat or a processed food right the calories from that food how are you going to compare that calories from a great non starchy vegetable like you know eating a broccoli or a cabbage or a cauliflower right they are not made equal so it's about the quality of the food especially for thyroid patients they need to focus on the quality of the food and not the calorie or not the quantity so the first thing they need to do people you know with thyroid disorders that will help them to lose weight is eliminating inflammatory foods now one of the reasons that a lot of people you know like uh, will come to see me is that they feel inflammation in the body and how do they will feel inflammation they will have this water retention they will feel bloated a lot of times they will have this puffy feeling in their body or when they will wake up in the morning they will have little puffiness in their face right so these are all signs and symptoms that your body has too much inflammation and that's the reason it's holding to that extra water weight so by eliminating these inflammatory foods you are not only improving the functioning of your body but also eliminating all that extra uh, water weight that your body doesn't need so again same things you know like eliminating gluten dairy sugars processed meats processed foods all of those things needs to be eliminated as much as possible from your diet so that you can reduce inflammation so that your body functions better without these foods so that's the first step the second step is basically including foods which are good for your body so what are good for your body non starchy vegetables again as i discussed non starchy vegetables are all the vegetables your greens your cauliflowers your cabbages your cucumbers you know there is a huge variety of non starchy vegetables go to your grocery store and look at the you know, whole aisle which is filled with so many great vegetables that you can eat a lot of people with thyroid disorders again get concerned that oh well i have been told that cruciferous vegetables is not good for my thyroid because those are like goitrogens so i should not be eating cabbages or cauliflowers or broccoli absolutely a myth this myth actually came from a research study which was done in 1980s a long time ago which was done in rabbits not even in humans it was shown that the rabbits which are consuming these cabbages or cauliflowers they have a higher chance of developing thyroid disorders but the reason was that these thyroid like these people have iodine deficiency and that was a main reason of causing thyroid disorders and i just discussed with you and now we do not see iodine deficiency as a main reason the main reason of current thyroid epidemic is hashimoto's disease and in reality the current research studies shows that you know all these non starchy vegetables you know broccoli cabbages and things they actually are antioxidants so they help to fight inflammation and improves hashimoto's disease so don't get concerned about whether you know you should not be consuming these non starchy vegetables you should be doing it they will actually be very good for your thyroid and help improve your thyroid functioning clean protein make sure you are having good quality protein in your diet you know don't shy away from nuts and seeds chia seeds flax seeds um you know your nuts you know like almonds walnuts you know those are great all good sources of protein that you can include in your diet perfect ways to doing it good fats again our food industry has created this fad around fats that all fats are bad people don't know that each and every cell of your body is lined with fats 70% of your brain is just pure fat so if you're not going to consume good fat your body will not function obviously i'm not talking about the bad fats like the trans fats or the fried food or the processed food those are high in the bad fats you need you don't need to consume those but good fats should be part of your diet that will definitely be very very much helpful like avocados 
again nuts and seeds like you know chia seeds flax seeds you know and walnuts almonds all those are great sources of good fats your olive oil you know your coconut oils those are all good fats that you can consume and then lot of fiber containing foods like whole grains you know chia seeds flax seeds so these are all good foods that will help you to rejuvenate your thyroid and also fix your mitochondria the fiber containing foods will keep you full longer so again you know you are not going to heave you know don't eat so many frequent meals you will feel full a lot of times right so that's the focus eating all these foods that is going to help you to fix your mitochondria green tea again green tea is great you know for help with weight loss a lot of people know about it so they can easily drink a couple of green teas every day um that can easily kind of help them to weight loss and certain spices again can be helpful in this situation especially turmeric and ginger again turmeric and ginger you know are anti inflammatory foods you know and then you can use them freely in your diet they will help you with reducing inflammation improving your mitochondrial function will help you if you have any uh, pain issues your memory or your energy all of these things ginger is great for your gut so if you have constipation or if you have bloating issues ginger will help you with that so these spices again can be very very easily incorporated in your daily regimen you know you can cook with these spices and that will be very beneficial so that's the first thing you do okay food is medicine use it wisely that is going to help you a lot to fix your mitochondria and that definitely is a very cornerstone and just keep it simple don't complicate it too much just kind of you know follow these few things and that will be enough for you stress management right as i told you that each and every one of us you know is going through a stressful moment whether it is in a personal life professional life or whether it's some illness or anything right and we cannot avoid it you know like the idea behind stress management is not that you know suddenly you just leave your life and then go into the wilderness and live over there no what we need to create is resilience right we need to create these techniques or things that will help to lower the burden of stress on our body and those are things that you can do very easily it only takes 10 to 15 minutes you know of your day and that's it and that will do it you know do deep breathing exercises you know deep breathing will activate your parasympathetic nervous system which helps you to relax which helps you to lower your inflammation which helps you to lower inflammatory chemicals or hormones in your body there is a method called 478 method very easy method if you will google it up or you go to youtube and just kind of put that you can easily see what that is right it just hardly takes 5 to 10 minutes if you do that deep breathing exercises in the morning that itself will change your stress response that itself will kind of make you feel better one step further you can go for meditation right you know there are so many different meditation apps like calm like headspace again youtube is great resource for that right just follow a guided meditation where people are telling you what to do just sit in a comfortable position and follow those prompts and that is easy enough go on nature right again you know like you know there was a research study done in japan where the doctors were actually prescribing nature walks to their patients just spending time in the nature and their blood work was showing that their inflammatory markers like hscrp and esr was going down just being in nature is very healing so go for a walk you know or maybe go for a hike or just spend time in your backyard wherever you can right that is very very relaxing 
The other things, you know, if you like needles, then acupuncture is definitely another way of doing it. If you hate needles, then obviously you, you can stay away from acupuncture, but definitely acupuncture is another way that strengthens your immunity and obviously reduces inflammation and definitely improves with your stress response. So these are a few things, you know, that can easily be incorporated in your daily schedule or daily life that definitely will help you with your stress and kind of help you fix, you know, your mitochondria. Now, exercise, right? You know, again, the exercise is important. Um, and to me, I don't even call it exercise these days. I just call it body movement because that's what the research suggests is mainly about body movement that we need to do. Not just we have to do very vigorous exercising, especially for thyroid patient. What it was shown that doing very vigorous, high intensity exercising is not best for the thyroid patients. You know, a lot of people are doing these HIIT trainings, you know, or interval trainings or like, you know, orange theories, you know, or very vigorous exercising on the daily basis just to lose weight. And it actually hampers the body's ability to function properly. You know, it was shown that after doing these high intensity exercises, your inflammatory markers go even higher because your body thinks again, you know, you're putting too much stress on your body. So it just, you know, causes inflammation and thyroid patients already are going through a lot of inflammation. So we cannot, you know, let, let any more inflammation enter in the body. So it is best to do a mix of cardio and strength training. Those are the best exercises for thyroid patients. Cardio is great because obviously like, you know, everybody loves cardio. It, you know, it's good for cardiac health. Plus, you know, it obviously has some weight loss benefit, but cardio alone doesn't give us, you know, the same result. Once we combine strength training with cardio, we get better results. The reason being strength training will kind of, you know, help improve your muscle function, right? And muscle is basically a metabolic organ, you know, like whenever you're not doing anything, whenever you're resting, your muscles is burning that energy so that, you know, we talked about that BMR. So the easy way to increase your BMR is basically kind of building more muscle. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about like lifting crazy amounts of weight and kind of bring, building a lot of muscles, you know, like, you know, um, uh, like you're doing a weight lifter or anything. Not that way, just, just some strengthening exercises, which can easily be yoga also. Because certain yoga poses will again use your own body weight to kind of improve your muscle strength. So any kind of muscle strengthening exercises is great along with cardio, which can be walking, jogging, running on a treadmill. And if you do those things, that is the best kind of exercise for thyroid patients. I generally prefer or recommend my thyroid patients to stay away from high intensity exercises just because, you know, over the course of time, they actually causes more and more inflammation and sometimes even stop working. The next thing is gut health, right? You know, how we discussed that leaky gut, you know, is such an important aspect, which kind of leads to inflammation, especially in thyroid patients and doesn't let them lose weight, causes mitochondrial destruction, right? So very, very important to focus on the gut health, right? And again, time and again, you know, we have been shown with several research studies is that the gut health is very important for weight loss. In fact, they have identified a couple of bacterial colonies or strains which live in the gut which can determine, you know, whether you're going to be obese, you know, or overweight. Acrimensia is a particular uh, bacteria. When it is low in quantity in your gut, it has higher chances of causing getting diabetes or obesity, right? So we know that the kind of bacteria that lives in your gut can definitely be responsible for your weight loss journey. 
So improve your gut health. Again, simple things, you know, like eat fermented foods, you know, like dairy-free yogurts, you know, is easily available. Kimchi, sauerkraut, kombuchas, right? All those are fermented foods which are, you know, uh, good for your gut health, you know, which can easily provide you good bacteria for your gut. You can always add a probiotic supplement also, you know, if you're not able to eat these fermented foods for whatever reason, or if you feel that you want to fix your gut in a short amount of time, then probiotic supplements are easily available that you can use and that will definitely fix your gut. But again, make sure that those at least 20 million CFU, which is the colony forming units, because obviously there are like, you know, thousands of probiotic supplements in the market. Not all of them are created equal. So make sure you're getting it from a good company. And when you're looking at a probiotic supplement, making sure a minimum minimum is 20 million. I generally prefer between 30 to 50 million of the good probiotic strain for people to work. Um, but again, yes, so probiotic can be an easy way to kind of fix your gut health and doing it. And again, the way and the diet that we describe, you know, with removing the bad food and including all the good food, which is the, you know, the, all these vegetables, which are going to give you prebiotics, you know, all these fiber containing, uh, foods will give you probiotics, right? Fermented foods, you know, uh, all of these things are good for your gut health also. Well, let's talk about certain supplements, right? You know, that can be helpful for weight loss. Now, again, very important thing about supplements, not all supplements are created equal and not all supplements will work for all of the clients or the patients. So it is very important that based on your clinical situation, based on all the clinical parameters and underlying health issues, then only supplements are chosen, okay? So sometimes you might have to talk to your doctor about it or work with a professional like a functional medicine or an integrative medicine or a naturopath who understands what is the right supplement for you before you just embark on a journey of like, you know, adding all the supplements and then, you know, making things worse for you. So green tree extract, you know, how we discussed that drinking green tea can again help with weight loss. You know, like a lot of research studies have shown that green tree extract, they basically kind of take an extract from the green tea and make it very concentrated. So it has fat burning properties. Also, green tea helps reduce inflammation and also helps with the detox. So all of these ways is, is helps with the weight loss issues. And obviously it improves your metabolism too. So green tea extract can be a supplement. A lot of people will use a lot of the weight loss supplements actually will have green tea extract in them. So if you look at them, that will be the case. Chromium. So chromium is actually another mineral, which is kind of very important. You know, it improves insulin sensitivity. Now, insulin resistance is a very, very important player in thyroid patients. You know, all that weight, which is around your waistline, which is present, right? That is all because of insulin resistance. You know, all that fat, which is deposited around our lower waistline or, or around, our, around our abdomen, which leads to insulin resistance. And chromium helps with lowering the insulin resistance. It gets our body to sensitive to insulin again. Okay. So again, that helps in a very, very subtle way or in the backgrounds to help with the weight loss. A lot of people will get concerned. Well, will chromium cause me to have low blood sugars? Not really, you know, like chromium is not working on your blood sugars. It is just helping you with insulin resistance. So it doesn't do anything with the blood sugar. It basically makes your body more sensitive to insulin and insulin has several functions. Insulin actually causes the excess sugar in your body get deposited into the fatty tissues or fatty cells. And again, you know, so when your body is able to use insulin in a better way, then, you know, it doesn't, that fat deposition doesn't happen. So chromium, great supplement, not much of the side effects that can be used. 
the next set of supplements is what we call as L-carnitine and CoQ10. Now, L-carnitine actually was kind of gaining very popularity, especially in people who are uh, working in gyms a lot, right? For basically building a lot of muscles. So again, you know, like uh, some years ago, um, a lot of uh, some research studies showed that L-carnitine actually can help with burning fats and help to improving muscle mass in the body. So that's the reason a lot of people who are going to the gymming, who wants to get their body kind of shredded and kind of gain a lot of muscle mass, they were using L-carnitine. But in reality, L-carnitine is basically just a mitochondrial supplement. It supports the mitochondrial health. And as we discussed, mitochondria is the one which is responsible for burning fat, your carbohydrates, your protein. So L-carnitine basically supports the fat burning property of mitochondria. So that's the reason L-carnitine is kind of very popular. Again, doesn't mean that you start taking L-carnitine, suddenly you're going to grow a lot of muscles. That is not going to happen. So, uh, but I just wanted to kind of point out that, you know, a lot of fitness industry use L-carnitine as a supplement. Coenzyme Q10 is very similar supplement. You know, it is a supplement which is uh, helps with mitochondrial functioning. And again, some research studies suggest that, you know, people who are low in CoQ10, once they were given a supplementation of CoQ10, it actually improved their weight loss, you know, or they were able to lose weight. And the last thing is probiotics, right? You know, we already, you know, kind of discussed that how kind of certain kinds of bacteria can cause weight resistance. So by improving your gut health, you know, we have seen that, you know, weight loss can again happen for those people. The next thing is detox, right? You know, like each and every person, you know, like which has worked with me who has a thyroid disorder definitely is dealing with toxins, right? Because as I said, you know, your thyroid is a sponge and each and every person, unfortunately, do get exposed to toxins. If you're living in this world, you do have toxins. You know, it doesn't matter whether you eat organic, whether you don't use chemicals, still toxins are part of your body. Now, the good news is that we do have a detox system in our body, right? But it can only detoxify so many toxins in a day, right? And some people have this genetic SNP. That means that, you know, they, they do have these genes, which doesn't let their detox system to work properly, right? So that's the reason there are certain things that you can do that can help push your toxins more out of your body. And again, that can help with the lose weight. First is regular bowel movement. Your gut is a major, major way where you are eliminating those toxins, right? So it is very important to keep your gut regular and in good shape. A lot of people think, well, you know, my normal has been that I have a bowel movement every two or three days. No, you have to have a bowel movement, one bowel movement minimum. Ideally, it should be two bowel movements a day, but at least one bowel movement a day that is going to keep those toxins out from your body. Again, simple ways, you know, increasing your fiber, you know, eating a regular diet, eating a lot of vegetables, you know, those are very drinking in a water, right? That will help you with your regular bowel movements. The next thing is, you know, flushing your kidneys, you know, like we all know that the function of kidneys is basically eliminating those toxins. So we need to make sure that our kidneys are in good shape. And the easiest way for doing that is flushing our kidneys with inner water, right? So make sure you're drinking in a water. Now, a lot of people think that, oh, well, you know, if I'm drinking sodas or drinking teas or coffees and all those things, that will also flush my kidneys. In reality, it is the plain water, which your body needs, which your kidney needs to be flushed out, right? So again, you know, like drink in a water in a day, especially if you are living in a hot or a humid environment, then you need more water, you know, in winters you need less, but still you need water on a regular basis. If you add a little bit of lime or lemon to the water, that is even better. 
because again, that improves, gives you some vitamin C and also helps with kidney detox in a better fashion. But definitely drinking in a water. And then supporting your liver, right? You know, we discussed that, you know, that liver is a very important organ in your body, which helps with detoxification. So again, improving your liver, which is again, turmeric, using ginger, using different colorful vegetables, each and every colorful vegetable or fruit you are eating supports your liver because it gives them different antioxidants and different vitamins and minerals. And your liver needs all these different vitamins and minerals to process all these toxins from your body. So that's where, you know, like, you know, doing this rainbow color diet will support your liver. And then, as I said, exercising regularly, because, you know, through exercising, you can do two things. First of all, you are sweating. And in sweat, we eliminate toxins, right? And the second thing is you're improving your lymphatic flow. Now, lymphatic channels are actually the channels which are present all over our body and nobody talks about them. The major uh, role of lymphatic channels is again, removing toxins through our body. So again, you know, the improving the lymph flow or the lymphatic channel is basically again by body movement. You know, a lot of massages which are happening actually are improving your lymph flow, right? You can do simply those things by exercising. Same thing if you're using saunas or anything that is in help improving your sweating. A lot of people, you know, are talking about infrared saunas to improve their bo body's health. And the major reason they are working is by eliminating these toxins through sweating. So again, detoxify your body, you know, uh, through these regular bowel movements, you know, like your kidneys and things. Now, I want to kind of, you know, take a caution over here, you know, like a lot of people actually are going online and buying these detox products or like, you know, going on these detox regimens on their own. They should not be doing it because detox is science. And sometimes when you're trying to detoxify your body, so many toxins come out in your bloodstream. They actually can harm your body. Because all the toxins are not in your blood all the time, right? As I discussed, these toxins are, you know, hidden in your thyroid or in your fatty tissue. Certain supplements will bring these toxins out. But if your detox channels are not working properly, they will go into your bloodstream and circulate in your body. So you might have heard of horror stories. Well, you know, this person started a detox protocol and had very horrible reaction that either landed up in the hospital or, you know, she was in the bed. Oh, well, but she was told these are normal die-off reactions, not reality. There's nothing like a normal die-off reactions. If you're feeling really bad, that means something is not right. So that's the reason whenever you're doing a detox, make sure you're doing a detox with a proper channel or with a healthcare provider who knows you know, all the detox mechanisms, the phase one of the detox, the phase two of the detox and the phase three of the detox. So that, you know, he or she can optimize all of those detox channels so that your body can, you know, do it in a proper fashion and doesn't get worse. So those are the main things, you know, like which you can easily do, right? You know, like, you know, easily each and every day, you can work on your diet, you can work on stress, you can work on exercising piece of it. These are what I call them in fine tuning things, right? And if you fine tune your body, most people, most people will start losing weight and they will feel good in general, right? So these are the tips that you can do. But let's say you tried everything. You tried all of these things, but still not losing weight. And you think, well, you know, Dr. Gupta shared all of these things, but nothing is working. Maybe, you know, this is not for me, right? But the major reason, you know, of not losing weight is that underlying toxins, which are hijacking your mitochondria, which are hijacking your bodies, is not letting you to lose weight. 
right? And there are different kinds of toxins. So until you know what kind of toxins you're dealing with, until what kind of damage they have done to your body, because they can do so many different kinds of damages. So you not have to remove the toxin itself, but you have to fix the damage these toxins have done, right? So that again, your body functions in a better uh, fashion, right? So instead of using like an online detox protocol, just using some binders here and there and things, it is very important to maybe do the testing if you have access to it, right? Testing whether you have heavy metals, whether you have mold toxins or environmental toxins, right? Now, unfortunately, these tests are not available through regular labs or through regular doctors. So only functional medicine labs will have these testing done and they are they can be expensive. So that's the only downside to it that, you know, they are not accessible at this point of time to people, you know, like, you know, who have insurances and things. But at least, you know, like if you have done everything not working, you know that what might be the underlying problem and what I need to focus. So that's where you might need to work with a functional medicine doctor who can find these underlying root causes, rebalance your hormones, reduce inflammation, and that might again be helpful for your weight loss journey. The thing which I've learned, you know, like with all the research, with all the practical experience with each and every client that I've worked, you know, in the last 10 years is that if you're not feeling good, if you are not able to reach your health goals, whether it is weight loss, whether it is looking better or whether it is, you know, just improving your energy, then the only reason is that you have not yet addressed all of the root causes. And most people, the mistake they make is that they think there is only one root cause that, you know, I just need to fix this one root cause and everything will be okay. Most people with thyroid disorders have more than two root causes playing a role for their thyroid. And some people might have, you know, stress or food as a main root cause. Other people might have toxins or infections as a main root cause and something, somebody might have other things. So that is an individualized approach that you need to know what root causes are playing a role for you. But don't let anybody tell you that, you know, you have to live this way or you have to be limited with whatever situation you have for the rest of your life. There is hope for you to get better. And the only hope is to find the root cause. Once you find it, you address it and you are going to get results. So that's the last thing that I just wanted to share with people uh, so that they know that there is hope for them to get better. Um, you know, if you want to find me, you know, like you can go on a website, you know, I have a very active blog over there where, you know, you can obviously read more about uh, things. I've wrote a book on thyroid. It is written on Hashimoto's patients, but it is applicable to any thyroid patients easily available on Amazon called reversing Hashimoto's that you can get the book, very easy read, again, research-based book that will again tell you what is wrong and how to fix it. I also have a YouTube channel, you know, like with Anshul Gupta MD as the handle, uh, where again, you know, I kind of share small videos or shots, again, that are very easy to follow, again, mainly based on thyroid health that can again improve, you know, your health and your help you to reverse your condition too. Thank you. That was just a wonderfully comprehensive uh, presentation. I learned so much. Might you have time for a few questions? Absolutely. Let's go for it. Great. Thank you. Well, the first question is, if somebody does live in Ohio, can they see you as a practitioner in person and or virtually if they live somewhere else? They can see me virtually. So actually, in like, you know, a couple of years ago, we became completely a telemedicine or a virtual practice. 
So we don't see clients anymore in person. So, but we have this great virtual functional medicine practice, people living in Ohio, Cleveland, anywhere in the country, they can see us. Again, they can go online on our website and they can find more information about it. Uh, we are a full functional medicine practice. That means that, you know, we have access to all the pharmaceutical grade supplements that we can deliver to them. All the functional medicine testing can be done. So it doesn't mean that if you are, if we are an online practice that people will not get full service, we will help them with everything. Great. Thank you. And you have a wonderful YouTube channel. I watched almost every video on it and I learned so much. And some of my questions are about that. But first, I like to take the questions for people that took the time to write in before we get to the ones in the chat, if you have time. And the first mm -hmm. one is from Parveen. And I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman. I apologize. But Parveen says that um, they have hypothyroidism and was on Synthroid for 12 to 14 years and never felt any better. Now they're taking supplements for biotics research, GTA Forte 2. And since they're vegan, they don't want to take any animal products. Is it possible uh, to heal my thyroid through some diet or any plant-based herbal supplements? Absolutely. So again, you know, like, you know, um, I don't like, you know, uh, follow any particular recommendations in terms of everybody should be taking animal proteins or animal diet. There are a lot of different ways of working around things. The diet that we described, you know, that I shared with you just now is completely plant-based diet. And the research also shows that plant-based diet is the best for a lot of thyroid patients. So, you know, the dietary tips that we discussed, you can easily do those. You know, the, uh, the supplements that I discussed over here, you know, like are all plant-based. So again, you know, you can easily find them, you know, like selenium, zinc, you know, vitamin D. Uh, those are all great supplements that can be helpful for your thyroid. And again, if you follow me on YouTube, you know, you can see again more supplements and more things that you can do. But a lot of things are shared over here, also including all the supplements are all uh, plant-based. They are not animal-based. Thank you. This is from Marsha. And she says, Dr. Gupta, I'm 71. I have no thyroid. It was taken out 35 years ago due to tumors. I was on Synthroid for about 10 years. However, it was hard to regulate me. I was either high or low. So they put me on armor, armor thyroid, which has worked well for me. I've had issues with weight gain throughout my life. And I was told I have a low metabolism and it's harder to lose weight. What advice can you give me on losing weight and keeping up watching the presentation you just give? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And again, see, the same problem is that, you know, before you were in like, you know, when you had the thyroid, you must have been told, oh, well, your weight issues are because your thyroid is not functioning. So let's remove this thyroid. I'm going to give you this medicine. You will be going to live your life completely fine. Right. And suddenly when they cannot fix it, now they tell, well, you know, like we cannot do anything. Your thyroid has been removed. Now it's your low metabolism. That is not the reality. Right. These are stories which have been made up. You know, I discuss how the real reason, you know, which is happening. So you still have hope to lose weight. All the things that we talked about, you know, hopefully you got the message that, you know, there is a hope to lose weight. If you work on these things, especially in the mitochondria, definitely you should see results. Great. Thank you. And one of the live viewers, Bethany, is asking, what impact does coffee have on thyroid health? I know the answer because I watched your YouTube. I know what you have to say about coffee and alcohol. <laughs> and maybe you can talk about it. I don't feel that either are health foods, but we're talking here specifically about thyroid health. That is true. So again, you know, uh, so a lot of people who are taking, first of all, thyroid medications, they should not be taking the thyroid medications with coffee, okay? Because the coffee impacts the absorption of the thyroid medicine, okay? And again, it doesn't matter whether you're doing regular coffee or decaf coffee, that will impact the absorption of the thyroid medicine, and that will cause your thyroid levels to go up and down, right? So that's the first thing. 
The second thing is that let's say if you're not on thyroid medicines, is thy is coffee good for you or not? So again, a lot of different coffees will be high on caffeine, right? A lot of thyroid patients, if they have issues with anxiety or they're burned down, then caffeine might not be the best choice for them. But you know, like staying away from caffeine all the time might not be also possible. But if you can, I think they will recommend that at least doing a caffeine-free cleanse. What I say is that just give up coffee for four to six weeks, okay? And that will let your body to completely flush out the caffeine and you feel much better, right? So that will help your body to function that way. So doing that every few so months will help your body to function better. And the other part is that do not take thyroid medicines with coffee. At least one hour of gap should be there. That's very helpful. Thank you. I know that all the urologists I've had on the show don't recommend coffee. I don't think it's very good for a person's bladder in general. Mm -hmm. That's what they have said. Okay. So here is a question. Does having an autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's make you more susceptible to getting another autoimmune disease? That is absolutely correct. And that's one thing that I tell my clients is not about just Hashimoto disease right now. But research again shows that once you get one autoimmune disease, you're looking for a second autoimmune diseases in the next 10 to 15 years. And levothyroxine or any medicine is not doing to anything to prevent you from getting this disease because they're literally just kind of giving you thyroid hormone. Nothing is being done in the underlying autoimmune process. So all of the things yet, you know, we discussed about here or other root causes is what you need to work on right now so that you can prevent from getting a second autoimmune disease, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis, whether it is gut like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, or celiac disease, or SLE, or lupus, or MS. All of these things are very, very common with Hashimoto's disease. So everybody who has Hashimoto's disease for a very long term, 10 to 15 years, very high chance of getting a second autoimmune condition. Thank you. And Stacy, who's watching live, says, well, what about mitochondrial supplements that are now available? So again, different kinds of supplements, right? So again, whenever somebody asks about supplements, I say that, you know, there are at least thousand supplements in the market. Not all of them are created equal, right? A lot of people will fill trash things in the supplement, things which might be harmful for your body. There was a study done. They went to Walmart, you know, picked up supplements, 10 different supplements, you know, from the shelf. And they went to the lab and get them checked. To the horror, what they realized was that Six of the supplements of, of which they picked up actually had medicines in them, you know, uh, which was not written. Three of them did not even have the right quantity or the quality of the ingredient which was mentioned on their labels. So it's very, very important to kind of, it's kind of horror story because nobody regulates the supplements. So anybody can say anything. So, you know, we discussed two supplements like L-carnitine and coenzyme Q10. Those are all mitochondrial supplements. So they can help you with your mitochondria. Other supplements like magnesium, B vitamins, those are all supporting your mitochondria too, right? So there are different kinds of mitochondrial supplements for different things. But, you know, like only specific if you're looking for weight loss things, then I think carnitine and coenzyme Q10 are relatively safe that can be used. You mentioned on your YouTube channel that vitamin D is particularly important for people with thyroid disease. Is there a particular type you recommend? Can If it's a person's vegan, is it okay to take the D3? Absolutely. Yes. So vitamin D is, you know, like, no, I don't even talk about vitamin D anymore because I feel everybody's taking it. You know, like, you know, there is so much like, you know, uh, propaganda and like everybody's talking about it. Uh, so I just always forget about, you know, how important is vitamin D because vitamin D is not even a vitamin anymore. We know it is a hormone. 
it is a hormone in our body which has properties of hormone like thyroid hormone in our body you know uh, so definitely vitamin d is important and again a lot of times you know food sources are not enough for vitamin d so taking supplementation is great so vitamin d3 is great you know combining vitamin d3 with k2 actually gives you an additional benefit because vitamin d will leads to absorption and deposition of calcium and sometimes that can happen in, in the arteries and you want that calcium deposit is actually happening in the bones so when you combine it with k2 that all that calcium is being going directly to your bones and nowhere else so that is kind of you know safer way of doing it but otherwise vitamin d3 is definitely a great supplement i think everybody should be taking it um again blood test is easily available make sure you're checking your levels before taking any supplement but yes you know like most people are low in vitamin d thank you and is it safe to take levothyroxine for the rest of one's life well you know again you know, like i made this video uh, where there are certain side effects which has been associated with levothyroxine and uh, several people will attest to that thing because they have taken the medicine i think somebody just kind of, you know, shared their experience that they were taking Synthroid or Levothyroxine and they were not feeling good and, you know, they had to change to armor, right? So time and again, we have seen that certain people will not do good with Levothyroxine. They will get side effects, you know, like be feeling bloated. They will have mood changes. You know, the energy levels will go up and down. Actually, they will feel even worse after taking the medicine. So there are certain side effects from it. Now, so if you don't have any side effects, then obviously taking Levothyroxine is relatively okay. It doesn't destroy any part of your body and it doesn't have any uh, long-term side effects that are permanent that we know of. That is great. Let's see if I'm missing any questions. It's better to watch on YouTube, guys, because I don't see your questions on Facebook. Even though I stream on Facebook and Twitter, I have to actually jump out of my screen to go to a different screen to see YouTube. So I'm so glad what you said about the vegetables, though, because so many people think that if they have thyroid disease to not eat the most important, one of the most important foods, which are the cruciferous and the greens. Absolutely. Yes. You know, like, you know, each and every time, like I just keep on getting this question again all the time, right? You know, that they are concerned. Well, you know, but I was told that I should not be eating this, you know, like I should not be eating that vegetable. I said, no, 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 this is like an old research, you know, like nobody knows that. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors, you know, which are conventionally trained, you know, like they don't even look at the current research which is happening. So no current research in the last 10 to 15 years have shown that the cruciferous vegetables are bad for the thyroid or any vegetables is bad for the thyroid. In fact, there was a couple of research studies which showed that an anti-inflammatory diet, which was high in these vegetables, not only lowered the thyroid antibodies, they actually improved the thyroid numbers. You know, these patients were not taking medications and the thyroid numbers were high and it improved the thyroid numbers, lower the antibody levels. So it clearly shows that these vegetables are great. And we see these results each and every day. Each and every of our client, you know, their antibody levels lowers down or either goes back to normal. Uh, so it kind of proves that, you know, this, you know, the theory about vegetables is completely wrong. So I encourage everybody to eat these vegetables, they are going to be very, very helpful for your thyroid. Not only losing weight, it's just everything, right? You know, you are going to feel more energetic, you know, like, you know, your hair will be great, you know, your gut will be good, your mood will be more stable, your hormones will be good. Everything, you know, like is linked to these vegetables. So you're going to feel much better after, you know, in, incorporating these vegetables on the regular basis. How do you like to eat your cruciferous vegetables, Dr. Gupta? 
Uh, different ways, you know, obviously I like salads. So a lot of my salads, you know, like for lunches are my salads where I will just, you know, um, throw in some greens, whether it is like, you know, a lettuce, you know, or a spring mix over there, some broccolis, you know, uh, I will put in there. I even don't mind eat, actually eating, you know, like some shredded cabbages, you know, in my salads just to give them a little flavor to it. And then add different kind of veggies, you know, um, just, you know, add some nuts and seeds like pumpkin seeds to it and some olive oil on top of it. Very little bit salt. I'll eat them. Broccoli, I eat them steamed. Again, um, interesting part is that, you know, if you steam your broccoli very slightly and add a little bit black pepper to it, you know, it increases the nutritious value of broccoli two to three times. So very easy way, you know, that, that you can improve, you know, like the same food and make it a super food by the way you cook it, by lightly steaming it and adding some black pepper to it. Boom, you know, it becomes a super food. So that's sometimes I will do, you know, I will eat as, as a snack, just steam it very, very lightly and then use it. You know, I think it's delicious for me. Nice. Thank you. And somebody's asking if probiotics are good for weight loss and if so, what kind? So again, there is not one probiotic brand, which, you know, has been associated, you know, like, so generally, like, you know, probiotic in general, which has been associated, which is a combination of uh, probiotic strains like bifidobacterium, lactobacillus, you know, like those two strains, you know, should be present in there. And as I said, at least between 30 to 40 uh, billion units are what you're looking at for the pro good probiotics. A lot of probiotics are also not heat resistant. So that means that, you know, like when they have been sitting on the shelf for a long amount of time, that probiotic bacteria might be useless. So again, you know, finding a probiotic, which is heat resistant, that means, you know, like even though they're sitting on the shelf, they still have those live bacteria in them, or maybe going to a store, like maybe Whole Foods or, or somewhere else where they do have those probiotics, which are refrigerated. But obviously that is not possible for everybody to have it. So that's the reason just finding a brand which is heat resistant is good enough for people to do that. Thank you. And Joyce, thank you. I can see your question now that you posted it in the YouTube chat. She says, has thyroid conditions accelerated since the advent of nuclear explosions releasing long-term radiation into our atmosphere? And were thyroid conditions less prevalent before this? So, you know, like the nuclear explosions happened recently, right? So there has been so many different changes. So it is, you know, like we don't have a research study that will just look at the nuclear exposure and not look at everything else, right? But we know that the radiation exposure is definitely has been associated with thyroid disorder. And that's not like, you know, uh, even if or a but. That is a very, very major reason any radiation exposure, especially nuclear, ex like, you know, nuclear exposures or things, has been clearly associated with thyroid disorders, you know, Hashimoto especially, uh, they will cause it and other autoimmune disorders and cancers and all that stuff. So definitely there can be a reason about it, you know, obviously like how far the nuclear explosion goes all over the globe, you know, again, we don't know the results because, you know, this data is not easily available to each and every common man. So I think nuclear exposure does play a role to the people who have been exposed to it. But I think in overall, there are other reasons along with that, which are causing this higher incidence of thyroid. Right. If somebody has been on levothyroxine for a really long time, is, for some people, is it possible just not to get off of it, even with superior diet and supplements and things like that? 
That is true because you know, how we discuss what is Hashimoto's? Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition. Let's say if a person has thyroid antibodies, let's say number is 500, right? So these are like 500 soldiers which are present in your body 24, 7, 365 days, which are destroying your thyroid gland. So just imagine these numbers, which has been present for five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? So literally their thyroid is completely destroyed, right? In that time. So there, there might be a condition where the thyroid is just not able to produce any thyroid hormone or very, very minimal amount of it. So they need external help with it. The problem is this. We do not have a test. We do not have a test that will tell us that how much thyroid is destroyed, how much fibrous tissue is present in the thyroid so that we can gauge if that person will need the medicine or doesn't need the medicine. So that's, you know, like, so a lot of people who have, so... The ballpark estimate is that if anybody has been taking a thyroid medicine for more than 10 years, or if their dosage has gone beyond 75 micrograms, they probably will need some kind of thyroid support, you know, on the long-term basis. That's what my experience has been. Yeah, Obviously, have we seen people coming off the medicine even at 100 micrograms? Yes, that happens. But again, chances are lower. Great. Well, thank you. This was really a wonderful presentation. And please feel free to come back anytime. My audience really enjoys listening to you, Dr. Gupta. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure again discussing things with you. Again, thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. I do hope you'll come back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time for Ruth Morley. She is in her 70s, follows a whole food plant-based diet, SOS free, and she hikes extraordinary mountains, backpacks, and she's going to show you how to do that as well. It'll be very inspirational. Hope to see you then, everyone.